0: you do and that's part of it but i'm thankful that when we get together we get to see jesus are you thankful for that this morning i'm thankful for his goodness and his grace what's good to be here this morning i'm glad you're here man y'all look good Uh, i don't know what happened to this side compared to this side but y'all all all look good some and uh it's good to be here y'all know that in in uh sports there's this concept that um Boxers, if they haven't fought in a long time, they, they spend a, a long time off in between uh, fights, that they talk about ring rust. Have, y'all know what I'm talking about? It takes a little while for them to get going. So y'all are the, the early crowd, and I haven't been in the pulpit for four weeks. So I'm going to work my ring rust out on y'all and so that's a dangerous thing because uh, i know what the tendency is <laughs> is that you you just keep going so i'm going to try to be precise this morning it's good to have you this this morning be with us and see some special folk brother stacy we're glad you're here santosh has slipped back in from florida see he can't get away he just thinks he can get away and, and he yeah he loves us too much to leave forever so we're glad you're here santosh and We're just delighted that you're all here. Well, we got together um, Friday night for a thing called June Junction, and we watched a powerful movie together. If you have not watched that movie, I want to encourage you on your own time to rent a movie called Unconditional. It is a powerful movie, and you need to watch it. And I'm going to try to tie into that this morning. But even if you weren't here, you'll understand, I think, what we're talking about. Uh, do Do you ever stop and think about, the type of pers- person that Jesus was when he walked on the face of this earth. Now, now I- I'm talking about what he was like personality-wise. I mean, you think about it when, when um, we think about each other. When I go home and Julie and I talk about y'all, and we do, and y'all talk about us, and you do, uh, what happens is, is we land on personality traits. We talk about the fact that somebody's mild, somebody's direct, somebody's intense. I never hear that one, but somebody's intense. Uh, uh, maybe somebody's aloof. Maybe somebody is warm. But something happens when we begin to think about Jesus. And and in particular, when we start to think about him, it's, I, I think what takes place is we begin to think about who he was, and therefore we never really stop and think about the type of personality Jesus had. And so I've been spending some time thinking about Jesus personality-wise. I I don't know, know that he ever took a Myers Briggs test or any of those other ones that tells us he's a personality and he's all that stuff. I, I doubt very seriously any of that took place. But but I, I've come to a conclusion. I am convinced that Jesus was precise and concise. Uh. In fact, I think it could be said of Jesus that when you really start to think about Jesus, Jesus was a minimalist, uh, if you will. He, He had this ability to boil things down. When you think about the fact that he was able to summarize the entire teachings, the entire premise, all of the principles of the kingdom of God in one short sermon called that we call the Sermon on the Mount, I guess what you could say about Jesus was this. Jesus was a man of few words. Oh, I know that there's a lot of red in the Bible. I understand that when you kind of take an overall view of jesus that you recognize he said a lot in three short years but when you talk about the environment that he was raised in the environment that the day the culture the, the fact is is that jesus in in comparison to the religious leaders of his day in comparison to all the tv evangelists of the day in, in comparison to the, all the authors and all the scholars of his day jesus must have come off as a man of few words yeah, because see, uh, rather than volumes of information and inspiration, he he seemed to take an opposite route, where he almost operated from this concept of less is more. That's how he operated. In fact, uh, the religious the religious elite, the, the the greatest preachers of his day, the greatest theologians of his day, they they managed to take ten simple commandments y'all know those uh well uh we ought to take a test sometime and see how many of it like some people write down cleanliness is next to godliness and that's not one of the ten commandments and god helps those who help them so that's not the ten commandments y'all know the ten commandments y'all you know thou shalt not lie thou shall not steal all ten simple commandments and the religious Leaders of his day were so, so verbose and so expansive that they come to the place where they add 603 new commandments to help us understand the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus comes along. And in contrast, when Jesus was asked to expound on the Ten Commandments, What he did was rather than adding to or muddying the waters, Jesus went all the way the other direction and he summarized all of the commandments in two. Two basic commandments that he says communicate the heart of all the others. Listen to his two. Matthew chapter 22, uh, beginning in verse 35. This is where he is so minimalistic in his discourse. He says this. Then one of of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, see, he's, he's pulling it down. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments... Hang not only all the other commandments, but also hangs. This is what he says: Hang all the law and all the prophets, all the law that Moses had given, all the prophecies that had gone forth. Jesus says, I'm pulling all that stuff down. Yeah, I'll read it. Go back and read all the law. Go back and know all the commandments. Know all what the prophets said. But when you get right down to it, Jesus is saying, these two are the ones you need to do. Jesus was pinpoint. Jesus with laser like clarity cuts through all the red tape and all the fine print and he says there are two pinnacle commandments two pinnacle principles that serve as the hinge pins on which the kingdom swings everything about the kingdom comes down to these two simple but difficult commandments he says this he, he pulls it down to this he says the first is this love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. The Message Bible says it like this. It's a little bit different. It says, love God with all your passion. We, uh, they wrote that about it. Never mind. They, they, they love God with all your passion. Then he says, love God with all your prayer and all your intelligence. By the way, just so you'll know, just because Jesus boiled it down to two doesn't mean this is easy. I don't want you to get uh, confused here. Just because he took took the time to wade through all those 603 and just, just because he took time to get through all the commandments and all the principles, just because he was able to boil it down to two doesn't mean it's easy. He says, this is the first one. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This command, listen to me carefully, catch this this morning. This command... Is a constant call and challenge to perpetually examine our love level for God. Oh, y'all missed that. See, see what that means is if we are going to answer and fulfill the call number one, then that moves us beyond a once a week in a service pursuit of God mentality. Listen to what he says. If you're going to fulfill all the commandments, then you've got to start with number one. And number one is this. Love God with all your heart, all your mind and all your strength, all your soul, all all that stuff that he's saying. You've got to love God with all of this. That's not easy. In fact, this precise statement from Jesus smacks our tendency to become apathetic and comfortable with low levels of love for God right stinking in the face he leaves us no room to, to go through the motions he leaves us no room to slack off there's no room to halfway pursue God to fulfill this commandment requires that we become singular in our focus and our commitment to God that's not easy it is this call that should force us on a daily basis to ask ourselves this one simple question and I want you to do that this week here's the question we got to ask ourselves how much do I really love God does my love for God capture my heart my, uh, the message Bible the, my passion is he more important to me than the pursuit of my career see we're getting basic now Is he more important to me than the pursuit of things? Is he more important to me than any other cause? Am I so passionate, so committed, and so in love with God that I'm I'm madly in love with him more than any of this other stuff? Is my soul wrapped up in him? Y'all miss that? He says, Love God with all your heart love God with all your soul is my soul wrapped up in God see because I think that uh, when you recognize that the soul is the seat of our emotions then what we could say about some of us at least by our Facebook is that we're wrapped up our, our emotions are wrapped up in our pets and our soul is wrapped up in our favorite recipes I said it was not easy. uh, Are we as emotional about God as we are about Pookie? Whatever Pookie is to you. That could be your pet. That could be a love term for your husband. I don't know. Are we as emotional about God as we are about that? Because what I'm seeing is that we're, we're so emotional about dogs and cats and basketball. Oh, wait a minute. I saw more posts about the heat and the spurs and the thunder than I ever see about God. So where are our emotions wrapped? Okay, y'all don't have to like it. I'm just kind of breaking it down. Uh, uh, Where... Jesus says if you're going to fulfill the commandment, the great commandment, you've got to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul. You've got to become as compassionate or passionate for him as you are everything else in your life or more. You've got to love God with all your mind. How do, how do you love God with your mind? Well, my question is, are you actively trying and attempting to learn anything about him, or are you just satisfied with what you already know? Y'all ready to go back to guest speakers? I can feel it right now. Uh, are, are you studying God? You know, the Bible teaches us that God studies us. He's, his eyes on the sparrow. He's overlooking us. He's studying our movement. But are we studying God? The Bible says that, that we show God our love for Him because we study to show ourselves approved. We passionately pursue Him, not just in worship services, but with our intelligence. We try to learn about God we don't do Sunday school anymore but that doesn't mean you have to be as dumb as a rock either about God that means you've got to pursue him on your own and you've got to crack open a book every once in a while and you've got to listen to folks that know about God and study God command one requires a total commitment it impacts and pulls on every part of us in one simple statement Jesus forces us to reevaluate what constitutes a real disciple Some of us love God, but not with all. Jesus demands that we hold nothing back. Three-fourths is not all. I'm not great in math. I hate math. But I do recognize that three-fourths is not the same as all. It's close. It's just not close enough. Uh, 90% isn't all. all, I've taught you all this in the Greek its profound, I don't want you to ever forget this, all in the Greek means all deep deep thoughts with steep. all all means all, nothing held back, no reserve no net no fail safe like the guy that walked over the nutso that walked over the Grand Canyon with no net I mean you're out on the wire and there's nothing to catch you that's all brother that is all some of you need to get out on a wire in your relationship with God because you're holding back and you've got safety plans and you've got fallback plans if God doesn't come through I'll go take a loan if God doesn't fix this relationship that's all right. I'll go get men because we don't love him with all How close are you to fulfilling one? Without fulfilling all of all, you cannot fulfill the remaining commands. Jesus says that's where it all starts. You've got to love God with all of you. And as I stated, this is not an easy task. But you know what I've noticed is is that when we're presented with this unbelievably difficult and imposing challenge, what we do is we quickly and flippantly acknowledge fulfillment of number one. Have you ever noticed that? God stands up on a mic at a microphone at a church service like this, and he says, how many of you love God with everything in you? Yes. Everybody in the room will raise your hand because you don't want anybody to know that that's not the truth. So we will flippantly, without even stopping and thinking about what the implications of that question really are, we will throw up a hand or shout, yes, or whatever the response is called for, yes. And yet I think that our lives would look much different if we actually fulfilled all. See, I think we do that because, and I think we embrace that that difficult challenge so quickly because we can attest to fulfillment and avoid scrutiny and avoid challenge because this is such an internal and private undertaking. How do we really judge whether you love God with your all? I know you say you do. You got the T-shirt that says, "I love God with everything. He's my all-in-all." All. You got the bumper stickers and all that stuff. And how, well, how, why we we'll let you attest to that without ever challenging you because it's difficult to decide and so then Jesus comes along being like he was cause y'all know how he was he never lets us off the hook that easy and he follows up number one I don't like you much for this Jesus with number two if he would have stopped at number one we would have all gotten off easy cause nobody would really know whether we were telling the truth or not but he doesn't stop at number one and now he comes with number two thanks a lot Jesus see number two Jesus lays down this public and equally difficult gauntlet and in an attempt to be spiritual we would give more weight to number one but I want you to notice what Jesus says about number two Jesus says the second command is like the first All oh, we want to talk about we love God with everything that's got to be up here that's number one and Jesus says hang on just a second now number one's important but number two is like y'all ain't getting this I, let, me, let me tell you another version that says it like this they interpret it's like the first and they say this it's set alongside the first we want to say there's an inequity here that two's not as important as number one and if we fulfill number one we're alright but Jesus is saying there's a number two I don't like the number two I only like the number one because I can do the number one on Sunday morning and nobody will know any different about me on Monday morning but Jesus says hang on just a second now I'm not finished there's another one that you got to know too Jesus says it's important to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and it's equally important to love others Dog, oh, messed it up Jesus cause see we'll spend hours, weeks, months and even years trying to fulfill number one and never even attempt to respond to two alright we're going to go back into generals where y'all can be all happy because y'all looking at me like I'm mean. I, if I had four weeks to build up on this, I'm ready to... Yeah, yeah see, we, we don't fulfill number two. And the problem with that is that when we fail to wrestle with and embrace the challenge, when we harbor apathy when we harbor disdain, when we harbor hate, when we embrace prejudice towards people, we can claim love for God and yet the door of the kingdom will not swing properly because we're missing entirely the second hinge. I'm going to get really basic here and then I'm going to get out of your way. I'm just going to kind of tell you what Jesus said, but I'm going to say it in my own words. All right, you ready? Here it is. Here it is. I'm going to break it down for you. Here it is. Number one, cannot be fulfilled without fulfilling number two now that messes up our theology because our theology says number one is fulfilled with worship and number one is filled with devotions and number one is filled with fasting and number one is filled with church life our activity is supposed to be the indicator of our love for God when according to Jesus the truth is this number one is actually revealed and validated by number two I'll uh, see ya yeah see we like to believe that it's our attendance pins and our membership and our activity that shows how much we love God and as long as we can stand in here on Sunday morning and wave our hands and do our dance and snot a little bit and buck a little bit and get goosebumps then that should be enough to let everybody in the building and everybody in the world know that we love Jesus if I can go to the green room and get the the right t-shirt on and wear that to work on Monday then I have done what I have to do to fulfill and to validate number one and Jesus is saying forget the fact that about all that activity and recognize that until you embrace number two you're just playing church and oh by the way Jesus doesn't give us a pass just because we aren't people people and Jesus doesn't give us a pass just because we're shy And Jesus doesn't give us a pass just because we're busy. And Jesus doesn't give us a pass just because we've been hurt. He simply says that if you're going to try to attempt number one, then wait just a minute, you've also got to fulfill number two. And Jesus makes this remarkably, he's a minimalist, He, he makes it convincingly clear. You know how he does it? Oh, he says it like this in John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. A new command I give you. He's bolded down to two. Now he's going to give you another one. Love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another by this. By what? Our love for God? Our catchy Passion Church t-shirts? Your bumper sticker that says, honk if you love Jesus? By that, people will know. No. no. He says, by this, your love for people, all men will know that you are my disciples. Not how much you worship on Sunday morning, not if you knew every song, not if you raise your hand at the right moment, not if, not if you hand out tracts and you're mad at everybody when you hand them out. But if you love one another. So without love for people, People won't even be able to recognize that we're disciples. Paul certainly doesn't give us a pass. Paul, Paul's blunt, y'all know. Paul's like my favorite guy writing in the Bible. He just, he just gets down to brass tacks. And he basically says it like this. Without faith or without works, faith is dead. Without number two, one does not exist. I just jacked with some of you right there, and you didn't even realize what I just said. I just said, your love for God really doesn't exist. You can't judge me. Yeah, I can. I can judge your number one by your number two. Let me see if I can help you really get an understanding of what I believe Jesus was saying. Have you ever met anybody? I'm not talking about you now. Have you met ever, ever met anybody who's always at church always involved in worship and from all outward appearances loves God with all their heart but they hate people y'all know who I'm talking about it's, it's that those people that, that we attach that oxymoron to where we say they're hateful church people they're the ones that the waitresses avoid on Sunday afternoon. Have you ever met somebody that loves God but never gets involved in any type of outreach or active service? They always have a legitimate excuse. Air quotes. Legitimate excuse to keep the love of God to themselves. And so what they do is they relegate outreach to everybody else. Uh, have you ever met somebody that loves God but only cares about themselves? Well, they love God. They just don't love anybody else. Oh, and here's the here's the here's the clincher. Here, here it is, right? Are you that person? See, a real encounter with Jesus, a real, that's that's a caveat a real encounter with Jesus forces us to have real encounters with people. A with all love for God should change our demeanor, it should change our tone, it should change our countenance in other words, let your face know that you love Jesus and it should change our level of compassion. want to say it like this our love of God and love for God should drive us towards people not away from people the church has got it backwards for years we want to huddle up and not let anybody else in and if we can just insulate and isolate us and we just get in here we'll just hold on till Jesus comes then you haven't met Jesus because if you recognize Jesus is coming then you're going to be going See, when you break it down like that, it sounds apparent. But I want to say to you that I'm convinced that most of us are striving for number one while we totally neglect number two. Why do we neglect this aspect? We, we're good about loving God. I want to love God with everything in me. I, I, I want to pursue him. Then why do we neglect number two? If Jesus was right, and <laughs> just so you know, Jesus was always right. If Jesus was right, and he says, you can't do number one and not do number two, tell me then, why do we neglect number two? I think there's two reasons, and I think both of them are tricks of the enemy that he uses to keep us from bothering with number two. Here they are quickly, and then I'll get out of your way first. I think the reason we neglect number two is that we barely have enough room in our life for God. So we give ourselves a free pass on fulfilling number two we have so filled our lives with that we have no room for love for others. Our life is so cram-packed full of life that we can barely eke out even one hour on a Sunday morning. Don't bother me about coming back on Sunday night or on a Wednesday night or God help us not on a Friday night. I barely have one hour to eke out love for God and now you want me to take time and spend energy and spend effort to make room to love others? Are you kidding me? I just need to tell you that I believe that what most of us need to do is build some margin in our lives and some room in our lives for loving others. Listen, I'm glad you show up here on Sunday morning. It would be awful lonely in this place without you. But I also want you to know that this doesn't fulfill all the commandments. This fulfills number one. And you've got to build some margin in your life where you can get away from work and get away from the ball field and get away from the TV and quit walking fluffy long enough that you can spend some time and some energy and some effort actually intentionally going out of your way to involve yourselves in the lives of somebody else that doesn't know God so that you can express love to them. And as you express number two, it it reveals and validates that, yes, in fact, you do love God. See, if we're not attentive to number two, then what happens is we we wake up weeks and months, and for some of us, decades later, and we've pursued loving God, and we've never stopped to deal with people. Uh, One gentleman said it like this, C.W. Vanderberg, he says this. He says, to love the whole world for me is no chore. My only real problem is my neighbor next door. We have no room in our lives. Uh, The the, the second uh, trick of the enemy is this Is that we don't love others Because we haven't come to the place Where we can love ourselves Jesus says The second commandment Which is like the first Is to love your neighbor As you love yourself Some of us uh, Cannot really come to the place where we can fulfill number two because we haven't come to the place where we appreciate who God created us to be in fact the truth is this morning that is if you don't love yourself you really don't love God because you are questioning his ability and his creative ability to establish you and form you and to, to, to bring you into this world like you are right now and if you don't love yourself then you're not really just mad at you you're mad at God and if you're mad at God you don't love yourself so you can't love others and if you can't love others you can't love God y'all Y'all getting this how it works out see self hate leads to others hate y'all miss that self hate I hate myself I don't like what I see when I get in the mirror well join the stinking club none of us are thrilled I got some requests God But if you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see or you examine your own life and you hate yourself at your core, then I want to tell you this morning that you will never come to the place where you can love anybody else because self-hate always leads to others' hate. And you will, love, you will ha- have a struggle and a difficult time loving anybody genuinely. And therefore, you can't fulfill number one. Some of you fail to validate validate your love for God and you think it's because you don't love others. However, the truth is, is you can't get to the place of love, loving others because you haven't gotten to the place where you can love you. Some of you, listen, I, this is a weird way to say this, but some of you just need to fall in love with you. All your warts, all your bumps, all your issues. Some of you just need to look at yourself. In fact, I just want you to go, just go like this. Give yourself a hug this morning. Yeah, I love me. Some of you wouldn't do it. Jesus is clear. It takes both parts. It is equal parts loving God and loving people that completes the law. Anything then. Anything less than equal parts is unbalanced and off kilter. So in summary, let me say this quickly. We are challenged to love God. That is a daily pursuit. That is not an easy task. It should invade every aspect of our life. But hear me this morning. At the same time that we're called to love God, we we are to show our love for God by loving others. A little boy walked into the family room and his dad was sitting in his lazy boy's dad had had a long day at work and he was exhausted and his favorite time of the day was just to come home and collapse in the lazy boy and the highlight of his evening was to grab the newspaper and just spend a few isolated moments don't anybody bother dad he's in there doing what he loves to do just catch up on the news of the day he's reading the newspaper and his little boy hasn't seen his dad all day long and he walks into the living room and seeing his dad sitting there and he knows he's breaking the rules but he just has to tell his dad he says dad Yes, son. He doesn't even look out over the paper. He just keeps reading. Yes, son. Dad, I just want to tell you, Daddy, I, I love you. Dad just keeps the paper in place and says, I love you too, son. Keeps on reading. And the boy can't stand it. The, 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 the boy, uh, the, he, he just got to do it. He, he, just, he walks up and he kind of presses past the paper just around the edge and he puts his hand on his dad's arm and he repl- repeats. He said, Dad! And with some impatience in his voice, dad says yes son he says dad I love you daddy without ever taking his eyes off his newspaper and adjusting them so he kind of knocks the kids hand off his arm he says I love you too son suddenly the little boy backs off and dad's back to what he wants to do which is read his paper and all of a sudden crashing right through the middle of his newspaper into his lap. The little boy jumps through the paper, unsatisfied with the response. He, he dives right through the paper and he wraps his arms as far around as, his dad, as dad as he could. And he says, Daddy, I love you and, and I just got to do something about it what I came to tell you this morning it's not enough to stand in here with your arms raised and tears streaming down your face telling God God I love you Father I love you Jesus I love you you're my everything you're my all in all no one compares to you when I think about your goodness and all that you oh Father I love you our love has to be heightened to a place where we say God I love you so much that I got to do something about it. I've got to fulfill number two. So my questions are simple for you this morning. Do you love God with everything? And does your love for people prove your love for God? Father, this morning, my prayer is simply this, that we would be compelled to evaluate our love level for you. And if we come up short, I pray that you would heighten our love for you and we would not push you to a 90% love or a three-quarters love. You would indeed, in fact, become everything. we would be able to stand and say not just as something we're going through the motion saying and everybody, no father when when somebody asks us do you love God when we say he's my all in all he's the fairest of 10,000 he's the bright morning he's the lily he's my my everything it wouldn't just be flippant and it wouldn't just be lip service but you would capture our heart our soul and our mind we would become consumed with loving you and then father I pray that we would embrace the challenge that Jesus laid down at our feet that we wouldn't huddle up in some sanctuary somewhere expressing our love for you and forget that there are people that need to know that kind of love God, I pray over my people today, and I pray that those that are so busy that they don't have much time for you and less time for people, God, I pray that you would challenge their calendars today and you would cause them to build margin into their life and they would begin to make room for people. God, I pray especially for anyone under the sound of my voice that hates themselves that despises what you've created in them, that feels like they're not enough, that feels like they're less than everybody else, that feels like they're not what they should. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus right now, you would allow them to discover just enough, the the appropriate dose of self-love where they recognize that they're a gift, that that they're created perfectly in your image, that the way they are right now, you delight in them. So, Father, I pray that you would release us to reveal our love and to validate our love for you not by our worship although our love for you will demand worship I pray that we would begin to validate our love for you by how we treat people and by how we love on people and how we reach out to people and you would challenge us to take care of number two I pray that you would allow us to do that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, the $2 bill. Those of you that were at the movie Friday night are going to get this. Some of you may need to go watch the movie. But the $2 bill, in the movie they said there's millions of these in in print. In fact, there's enough of these probably that everybody on the planet could have one. There wouldn't be any shortfall. They've printed millions and millions and millions and millions of them. The only problem is is that because they're so unique, people hoard them. And so many of you, probably some of the young folks sitting in this room right now have never even seen one of these in person. Kind of sounds like God loves, doesn't it? There's enough to go around, but we like to hoard it up on Sunday morning and pour it into a sanctuary and call that church. And we fail to circulate what He's blessed us with. And so this morning on the way out as a reminder that number one is important but number two is set equally alongside of it as you leave, either myself or Stuart back there is going to hand you one of these $2 bills and it's going to serve as a reminder that you have a mandate on your life to love others. That's how you reveal whether or not you really love God. And I want to challenge you if you need that daily reminder that, that you have a mandate to love others, then you keep this $2 bill. You put it somewhere where you'll see it every day to remind you, I just loving God's not enough. I'm going to validate my love for Him by how I love people. When I'm out there serving hot dogs, when it's 119 degrees in the parking lot, I'm just letting people know I love God. When I'm working with those passionate sports kids that fail to say thank you, when i'm loving on my my fellow employee when they've had a bad weekend and now they're hung over and nobody seems to care i'm just taking care a number two but maybe what you need to do is take this two dollar bill and give it away some way maybe it's a cup of coffee maybe maybe somebody comes up two dollars short at the cash register and you've got it stuck back in your wallet as a reminder you need to pull it out and Pass it on. Whichever way works for you, it's just simply a reminder that number one cannot be fulfilled without number two. 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 Don't forget two. Free pizza from Papa Angelo's right here in Bethany. Some of the best pizza in the world just as a way of saying